I think that to be there at a death and for death to be part of your life and your knowledge of it and to know what a dead body is is very very comforting but massively eye-opening for me and uh, terrible but majestic and quite amazing really and you know it's like death is something that's going to happen to all of us it definitely is. It's like the one thing. It's guaranteed. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Yeah, it, um, it had felt so alien. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello. <laughs> and it's, it's always... It's, um, I, I still can't not laugh when I do this intro. Like, a little nervous laugh, because it's so weird to sort of say it to people, especially someone that I haven't seen in age. We, sort of, we saw each other briefly... Uh, a little while ago, yeah. ...for a kind of reunion. Before that, not not seen each other for like 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. It was, jeez. I know, it's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. And so the first question I ask people is, how do you know me? Mm. Well, we went to university together. That's right. And that was at Lancaster. Like you say, 10 years ago, that's an amazing thing. That's a whole decade. Mm. Um, and both doing theatre studies. That's right. You were you were uh, cast as the lead in the first production we did. You were You're Orpheus. Right. Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. When Orpheus I was, in the underworld. Yeah. When I was telling Jen that I was coming to record you, she was like, "Which Paul?" I was like, "Orpheus." And that's how that's how that's how I signify you when I'm talking about you to her because that's what she she came to that that first production before yeah. she was even going out with me, and so because of some of her yeah, friends did right. studies. and yeah, that was an Pivotal interesting time. one. It was an interesting one. And a dance piece too, and uh, and I wasn't ever a dancer before that, and I wasn't after, so it's really odd to, you know, played Orpheus in a in a dance piece. Yeah, <laughs> it, well, it, a, a lot of people were were sort of shocked by going into doing a dance piece straight away when they all had gone to do theatre, and it was week one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I was talking. I did a when I did a conversation. In this, in the Royal Festival Hall, like we are now, with Louise Sutton, we were talking yeah. about um, how weird it was that, we, like, the whole of theatres were like split into different groups of like these are the dancers, these are the musicians, these That's are right. the narrators, and we were like kind of. I don't think we ever got out of those groups. No, for I think you're right because the bonding happened too, and then I think people just viewed each other as you know she's she's a literary one. Yeah, she's, she's a performer. Yeah, you're right. So like in my mind, you're like a, you were you were a dance like you were like not just a dancer but the the top of the the dancing oh, chain. No. But you, you've never yeah. danced after, and you never no. danced before. No. I did very much enjoy it though. I'll tell you what, while I was doing that, I started eating um, twice as many meals because we were dancing all day in preparation. Yeah. And uh, I'd go to uh, Bella Pasta at the time in Lancaster with my student money. And they had like two for ones where you could buy um, a pizza and a pasta for two people for yeah. the price of one. And I would buy that just for myself, which is an awful lot of food. And then when the dancing stopped, the two for ones carried on. And that's when I ballooned. <laughs> See, I had a similar thing because I did. Like, I think you did it as well. A year of dance. Yeah. Um. In the in the you know in the se- in yes. the second year we got to choose. Yes. A, yeah. And I think 
I mean, I, I did that then because the, f- the first time I hadn't done dance. But then You're I was right, like, I forgot that. Because they, they got rid of directing and they got rid of uh, playwriting. So I was like, well, since I can't do any of the things I want to do, I've I'll danced. do something that I've never done before that I never thought I would be able to do and challenge myself. No. And I, it was an interesting experience. But I, I was similar. I, like all the year, like I was dancing and then um, my, my theatre company as well, Strangely Compelling, we did a, a kind of physical theatre thing in Edinburgh. Yeah. So by the end of all of that, yeah. I was like so fit. I had a six pack. Yeah, the only time in my life I was like, wow. And then, you know, stopped. Yeah. And uh, the muscle became fat. One pack. Yeah. And then exactly. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, brilliant. We should never got that six pack because look, look what's <laughs> happened now. But you did it. And I always think, oh, God, to have been 21 and been fit and dancing and uh, in that kind of environment. Fabulous. That's really true, actually. Cool. Yeah, I should, I should, yeah. I mean, I, I aspire to being back, back to that kind of level <laughs> of fitness. Day. But I mean, I, I, that would actually have to require me to do some exercise, which <laughs> is just not something that I'm, uh, I'm up for very often. Or I haven't got time for. I actually would. I like the idea of it, but I haven't got the time. That's what I tell myself. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, and I should say as well. I, I said to you just off mic. Like, this is the first conversation I've done with. Like, I think I had three hours sleep for good reasons, for happy reasons, but. Uh, but still, it's almost like I'm hallucinating. You did, it's delirious right now. <laughs> I love that. Some yeah. weird stuff is going to come out. I, well, I hope it adds to the conversation rather than detracts, but we shall see. <laughs> so the second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? Mm. Take it, you mean career-wise? You can take right, it however right. you like. Is that awkward question you get no? at the party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Who are you? Yeah. We define ourselves by our jobs, don't we? Yeah. Well, I just started a new job actually, and it's um, it's for a promotions agency that you know they create promotions for theatre. So it's really cool because we're working across most of the industry, and we're doing these like competition giveaways, or sometimes it's a, an offer that we're extending to a certain newspaper or something, or partnering a, a big show with a big brand. And it's great. It's so good when you have a job you enjoy. Yeah. Genuinely, it's such a wonderful feeling. I'm, not, I, I'm only saying that because I've had so many times where that hasn't happened. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing at the moment, and it feels great. And, you know, the best bit is taking my dog to work with me. Oh, wow, yeah, your dog is Olive. Olive, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that French from Facebook. Bulldog. It's cool. Yeah, so you can actually, what, you can take your dog to work? Yes, that's right. That is a cool That is Really a cool, cool, and, you know, she sits under the desk. I've had a job in the past where this happened too, and I worked in a theatre in the States, and I felt that people couldn't raise their voices because the dog was there. There was something, there was, like, a different different energy yeah you, I guess it's like you know you want to behave yeah you, 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 there's a there's a, a, vulnerable, a vulnerable a vulnerable being, being there, there absolutely yeah. and I think there's something deeply uh, deep oh, rooted about it feeling like a homestead that's how I feel anyway that's you know nice. it's, like a, it's like a home um, and it is actually an office in someone's home, <laughs> so truly a home. I mean, and you work. So you're working in theatre as well. So you yeah. kind of have, rarely, I think, rare. For, uh, when I, when we did when we had that reunion, I sort of at first I thought, hang on, everybody's going to like everybody's working in theatre, and then it turned out that that was the minority of people yeah. were actually working in theatre. Most true. of us are, uh, are doing all sorts of things, but yeah. we've gone sort of all over the place from theatre, but yeah. not, not very many of us are using our... I mean, I guess I am a little bit, because I'm running shows and stuff, yeah. but all independently, a little bit like I was at uni, really, yeah, totally. independent from it. But, but you're, you're in theatre. So I suppose, yeah. I think I always think of it as the things that we... You know, theatre is like... Life is theatre, isn't it? That sounds really wonky. But it's just this, the things that you learn help you to manipulate people, help you to uh, show off a bit or sell yourself or yeah. think about things in, in new ways. Yeah, I did end up in the theatre industry, but 
I feel the stuff I learned at, at university I could do could use in, in banking if I could do sums yeah no I mean I, it's, it's true I mean well again when I was talking to Louise she's a civil servant and she said she was saying that theatre skills have been massively helpful for that job yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I can understand so interesting yeah you went to the states though as well in, mm. the, in this time like I, I, I mean it's 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 it, it's fortunate for me that you're back here uh, I don't think it was as fortunate for you though was no, it? no it was, a, it was a difficult move to be honest finally settling down but my um I don't know how well you know Chad I don't know if you know Chad. no I, I no, don't, I've no, never met him but I've seen funny. his pictures and he, 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 looks, he looks like a very uh, attractive man American yeah American beef <laughs> um, he's my husband obviously yeah and we met uh, nine years ago it was just around the time of university when I first met him and uh, we uh, I went to study in, in America straight after university to do like an internship program at a big theatre there called the Guthrie and that's when we really got to know each other and by the time I left America he came back to live here and it's just like it just happened this relationship it hasn't been easy because you know politically there were a lot of hurdles in the way of having a relationship with an American when the two men around the time that we were struggling to work this out the law changed in Britain and that's now over six years ago six years ago is it? Right. we were able to have a shotgun wedding here or at least a <laughs> civil partnership and he got his visa to stay here with me he has permanent residency as my husband Brilliant. essentially yeah so really wonderful uh, we did it within the law changing within a few weeks we were, we were together and, and it was all legal which was something to be really grateful of but we decided to go back to America that's four and a half years ago and uh, we were very happy I, uh, I did my masters there in arts management uh, which gave me my visa and we got a house and we got a dog and we got a car yeah you had a real nice setup nice there. life yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and a lot of the a lot of the reason it was so good is we were living in Minneapolis which is right in the middle of America it's the Midwest it's a town that boomed a hundred years ago with a, a lumber trade and the milling industry's flower it's Pillsbury's from there that kind of thing Okay. So at that time, these fabulous mansions popped up, amazing houses full of wonderful woodwork and kind of Adams Family style, you know, beautiful, beautiful houses. And then the town never really uh, boomed as it did in Edwardian era. So it means that housing there is really cheap and you can get a beautiful house with a big garden and heritage in the home. And it's just, it was just a different world to us. So this all sounds really rosy, you know, it's yeah. like the Americans... Uh, dream and in many ways it was I was working at a theatre there I got my H1B visa and Chad was had a, had a great job in fashion and then it's like it just happened in one day everything just kind of fell apart the theatre I was working for went bankrupt Chad was made redundant from his job and we, we faced suddenly this terrible realisation I had 30 days to leave the country God, we had a house that we had to pay a mortgage on uh, we didn't know how to get the dog out of the country oh god yeah we had we built up so much stuff you know yeah because you've got the room if we had the room house, yeah. yeah and at the time we had the money so this all sounds you know materialistic but the biggest thing was we, we suddenly had to leave our, our family and our friends and we had a great great setup so we did that and we rented our house out and we put all of our stuff onto a great big 40 foot cargo container and shipped it to an unknown address here in England because we didn't know where we were going and then moved in with my mother. <laughs> and that's where the fun starts. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a really difficult time. And uh, it's, it's actually good talking about it because it's a poignant time right now. Minnesota, that's the state we were in, is voting um, over the coming weeks as to whether to ban gay marriage, essentially, to change the Minnesota Constitution. 
Um, when it was written, it didn't say anything about men and women. And so the right wing wants to amend that constitution. So even if this thing doesn't pass, we still can't be married there. This is just a case of banning it. So, um, so that would basically stop it from ever happening. Stop it from ever happening in right. the state of Minnesota. So if you're listening and you're in Minnesota, <laughs> vote no. Yeah, sure, absolutely vote no. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, you know, you, I guess you follow your own opinion, but if you vote no, if you don't, <laughs> if you vote yes, you're... Yeah. It's the craziest thing to me, <laughs> and I don't understand why people are so so worried about um, what might happen. You know, it's a really horrible time to leave because this amendment was on the horizon, and advertising started anti-gay advertising on the radio. And it's a very liberal, liberal town, Minneapolis. It's, it's always been kind of a Labour town, yeah. Um, very Scandinavian in its roots, right. forward-thinking. And the, these storm clouds have gathered. So now we're here while it's all going on. It's really odd. Can you... Can, well, odd. Chad can vote then. Chad can vote. I can't vote. Right. And uh, indeed, I, can, I can't even go back to my house. <laughs> so, well, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's, 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 it's... Like, the issue of gay marriage... I don't even... Like, it's, it's ridiculous to even say the issue of gay yeah. marriage. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, I literally have no idea what bothers anybody with it yeah i mean i guess you know i guess people are homophobic that's what bothers yeah. them but i mean anybody that that, that claim like you get these weird people who say i'm i'm pro-gay i'm fine with it but i yeah. just don't think they should get married what what's and that what's that why? logic that's yeah. just stupid and i'm sure there even might be people listening who who have a reason why and i know that a lot of the campaigns that we're seeing in america were to do with the protection of traditional marriage and and people feeling that you know that if we change what marriage is then what marriage was is gone forever and I can hear them say that but it's still no reason things change all the time votes for women happened civil rights happened mm. you know so what yeah well, exactly and, it, and it's like the idea of e- equality is I mean you're not changing what marriage is if you let other people into that club mm. it, Heterosexuals are changing. I mean, uh, Dan Savage, who I listen to, uh, who's got a podcast that I listen to, he's always saying heterosexuals have already re- changed what marriage is. Yeah. Like it's it's not gay people that's changing changing marriage. Yeah, absolutely. It's already changed. It's, it's already been changed. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's been a massive cultural shift, and we yeah. can't kind of go back from that. And in fact, if we even if we do go back from that, there's no reason why gay people can't go back from that with us. You no, know, no, all no, of us absolutely. go back to kind of more absolutely. traditional attitudes to to these things. If we if that's what we want, it's got nothing to do with with uh, sexuality. I mean, and, I mean, I always think my my, my thing. I always say, I mean, it's slightly a joke, but it is also true, is that when they change the law in this country to allow gay people to get married, I would have liked them to have also changed the law in this country so that heterosexuals could have had civil partnerships. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I don't don't want to be recognised by the state. Mm. uh, And I don't want to be recognised in any religious sense uh, in that kind of way. But I I do want the, the, the... yeah, I mean, I guess I do actually. The, the state, that's not, bit the, is state is the thing yeah. that I want. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah. the result of not sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, that's right. I want to be recognised in law. That's yeah. the, the yeah. thing. And I it's want, financial too. Yeah, it's exactly. Tax thing, and it's uh, it's just the unity of two people. It's the yeah. most basic. Well, I want Jen to be my next of kin. Yeah, but I don't want to get yeah. married. You know, so you're in so a position in the states where I wouldn't be allowed into the hospital if you'd been run over because <sighs> I'm not a family member. Oh, I hate that. And he's, you know, a a grandfather who he doesn't see could have gone in and he hasn't seen him in 15 years and I could have just been standing there begging to go in and that's why we left. (laughs) It's a good reason, you know. No, sure. So, I mean, you 
you, what part of the north were you born in? I was born um, really Blackpool. I was born right. in Blackpool, I Victoria Hospital. <laughs> but from a nice part of uh, the area uh, called Lytham, Lytham St Anne's, or St okay. Anne's on Sea. She's just, uh, it's like a suburb of Blackpool, if you like, and it's where they have the British Golf Championships. You know, it's, it was a nice Victorian seaside town that's gradually slipped. But it's still a nice place, it really is. I'd live sure. there. If the jobs were there, I would happily live there. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, think, I think I've seen pictures of, again, through, Facebook, through the wonders of Facebook. Facebook I think I've crazy. seen pictures of Living St. Anne's, and I, it does look really, really nice. In fact, well, all, of your, all of the pictures of, of your stuff on Facebook always look really elegant. Like, you're, you're dressed really well, you've got this cool dog, these cool Oh, it's showing off, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's just because you've got a very aesthetic kind of eye and maybe the way that you're taking the pictures is, or the pictures are being taken and the ones you're selecting is what... Is what well, sometimes when I'm really drunk and I'm, I like look back over old Facebook pictures or something, it actually makes me really sad that I've uh, selected, you know, such beautiful things rather than real life. I sometimes, like, suddenly when I'm really drunk, I get this, like, this feeling of, like, oh, God, what a phony. Are people, like, watching these images thinking, like, oh, God, here we go again and look... And they've all got alcohol in them. They've all got the dog in them. Yeah. The sun's always shining. Food's always on the table. Yeah. And of course, that's not real life. No, it's, well, the, it's it kind is. of. The, well, it's the, but it's the best bits, isn't it's it? It's the best bits, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. want people to see that. And I don't think it's necessarily a case of wanting people to think you're better than them or that you know you're leading the life and they're not. But if you're proud of it, if you're proud of your friends and you're proud of your family, sure, you want to put it on there. Yeah. Um, but you know. I read something about whether, whether Facebook and social media enhances or detracts from your life and your well-being. And this study had said that people that were subjected to many social statuses throughout the day became sadder and sadder because most of the updates were positive things and you compare yourself to all of this flow That's of people right. and it's like he's having champagne, he's having oysters, he's on a speedboat, she's sunning herself here. Always, always people picking out the, the best moments of the day and you're sitting at work. Yeah, that's depressing. No, it, you know, it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, it is. I think I've read that that same article. I think, but it's, it's a, I always think, you know, when you see someone being really, I, I try not to be like, I try not to say really happy things all the time. Yeah. Because I'm aware. I mean, and it's actually it's funny because at the moment I am really happy. Yeah. Like my life is really good. For the, I'm not used to it, um, and so I do find that because I use social media, the temptation is to go, I'm really happy today, yeah. and then I'm like, stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, how do you how do you feel when you're not happy and, and you you're reading those, all that you know, stuff yeah so yeah. I try and avoid it but I, but pictures are kind of they kind of get a get out of jail free card for that because yeah. I think I, I like seeing photographs of people I uh, do anything actually lives and, and, and I mean like I say like like you're, you're, the pictures that I see of yours I, I mean yeah okay I, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit envious like wow that looks like a great like a great meal or a great walk or a great moment but it it's nice to experience yeah. that vicariously as well as a little bit, you know, makes you a little bit jealous. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I have pictures occasionally that make people jealous. Although I'm not very good at taking pictures and putting them up. I'm always, I'm, you know, I'm not... I'm you not, never make it I've not got that kind of, uh, that, pro, that, that process. I sort of take take pictures occasionally, but always of weird things. Yeah. Never of like, you know, like I always take pictures of like bits of graffiti or whatever and never of, never of like get it up, my get life. It up. Yeah. You'll get a following on yeah. it. No, I should, I should. I've, I've got all of the accounts, I just don't use them. But so you went from uh, the north of England mm. to America mm. and then back. Mm. I mean, what? Well, actually, we were in London first. Okay. Yeah, I, we, I moved to London and I was working for an ad agency. Chad was working in fashion here. And you know what? We just became so unhappy with London. I do feel we've, we've come back to a better London. No. 
take that back. Uh, I feel like we're in a better place in today's London. Mm. Um, I don't think we've come back to a better London at all. No, sure. Boris is the is the mayor. It's all changed. Yeah, yeah it's all changed. But uh, you know, it was a different government when we left. Mm -hmm. um, it was um, a, a couple of months before the recession. We, we left a very different, different, very different place. But we were becoming so tired and so in need of building a home and putting roots down. Sure. We've come back to London and we, we, we wrote a list of things that we, if we we're going to live here again, we had to have. We had to have outside space. We had to be happy with our commute and you know we needed to exercise, blah, blah, blah. Not all of that's happened. <laughs> No, but it's good to come... We have a yard. Yeah, it's, it's good to come with kind of an understanding of London. I, I, mm. I definitely think it's like people move in, in and move out of London and it, it can be a place which really overpowers you. But mm. I think if you approach London in the right way, London will give you stuff back. Yeah, but if you yeah. approach London in the wrong way, there is a lot of horrible stuff to overwhelm you. you know? Yeah, I agree. And you have to go after things, don't you? Because it doesn't necessarily land on your plate. Mm. We're surrounded by all of this fabulous culture and you know, art projects and all of this stuff going on. You, you don't see it. You just go to work and come home. Go yeah. to work and come home. Through the commute of yeah. all of these people and the you know, all, you know and all of that stuff. And that, that can really take it out. Of, you have to force yeah. it. Um, but it is all that. And I do love that. Yeah, yeah no, I mean... We were surprised when we moved to London. We thought, you know, we we so we stayed on in Lancaster for a bit, and then after a few years, I was like, I've got to go where there's an art scene. I can't be an artist and not be where there's an art scene. Uh, and Lancaster, as you know, hasn't really got one. No. no. Um, so I mean, got a little one. You know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah it's Lancaster, and and when you're not a student anymore, there's even economy. less of one as well. So, I mean, Lancaster's an interesting place to stay on as a member of the public rather than a yeah. student. It's, it, it, yeah. it really changed the... I mean, we, you know, I like Lancaster still. I like, I like things about Lancaster yeah. still, but it, it changed the, uh, the emphasis when you, when you stop being a student and you start... Yeah. Especially, I was commuting to Preston as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was... Preston's, it's a bit too much. Preston definitely hasn't got an art scene. Preston. <laughs> my nephew described Preston as harrowing. I think it's the most perfect word for Preston yeah. Town Centre. Well, harrowing. I, I worked in a, a, a council estate called Savick in Preston and it was the really bleak, you know, red brick council estate, like, yeah. or uh, in a small branch library. Or, like, the thing that, <laughs> like, the thing that summed it up to me is all of the kids, the teenagers, because they would, they would, you know, yeah. smash the windows, they'd cut right into the library and ride round us, you know, right on their bikes, really? round around the really? counter. And it all brought home when I changed to working in a library in Leyland, which yeah. is a bit more safer area, let's right. say. Uh, <laughs> and... The local paper came in and it had all of these name and shamed Asbo kids, and I knew the majority Did you of them really on the front knew of the, the paper. faces. Oh god! But um, hardcore. Yeah. So when we, when we moved to London, it was like I got you know I've I've got to get into an art scene. It was kind of a compromise. Mm. Jen was a little bit like. Like she's always lived in you know in York and then Lancaster, and she didn't think that London would be somewhere she could live. Right. She thought it would overwhelm her. Yeah. But when we when we when we 
you know, we've loved it. We've actually taken to it, and it's actually kind of, I mean, it makes you... Enriched you. Yeah, I mean, it's a faster pace of life. Yeah. I mean, and there's good and bad things about that. Yeah. But it gives you, it does give you more drive, you know. If you you get it, if you hit it at the right angle, you know. You have to, because that drive can drive you into the ground. If if the daily energy pulls you down a little bit more every day, then you find yourself at the bottom. And and the opposite, if if you're riding the wave... You know, that's right. the world. I went up uh, the uh, Centre Point Tower oh, yesterday yeah, yeah. for a meeting. I stood there and I looked at this London, and it was just this teeming European city below us. Beautiful old buildings. You see it in a way that um, you, you don't anywhere else. It felt like Paris, you know? Yeah. And there were these boulevards, and there, there was the city in the distance, and then Canary Wharf. And I just got this enormous sense of, God, I'm in the middle of all of this. And, you know, all these people, all these places, all of this. And then I went back to Lewisham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, I think when people come to London, I always recommend, like, it's a weird thing to recommend, but I always recommend, like, getting the TLR and going in the front of it, yeah. going into Canary Wharf. It's be- like beautiful mirror buildings all yeah. around you, and this, you're in this machine that's running itself. But you're right, then you go into, you know, then you walk into Hackney, yeah. or you go into Edmonton Green, like, these places where I, I work a little bit. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's a different world. It's yeah. a different world from that. But that, I think that's where we were lucky because we went to Leightonstone, which is like, mm. it's like what you say. It's, it's, a, it's, it's got, you know, the houses there have got gardens generally, mm. and it, it's out of London, but in, you know, but close enough. Yeah. You know, like London is good on the outskirts, I think, and yeah, then you can go right. in and enjoy the, the, the stuff in the centre. But if you're in the midst of all the craziness, it's just a little bit too much. It's too expensive too. Oh sure, and it's like for a box as well. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's an age old. Everyone talks about it. No, sure. They if do. I had the money, I'd live in the middle of it. No, fuck up the space. Yeah, I would. I would. I'd have, if I could have a, a, you know, a house in the middle of it all. Oh, a house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. I'd do it for a house. Yeah, maybe. Then I would. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so you went to London and then you went to America. I mean, what? Like, apart from the obvious uh, that we've already talked about, kind of tensions that mm. you had in that. I mean, what was the American experience like compared to yeah. growing up in? In the north, it was very materialistic, um, and I, I, at first I found it, I found it hollow. I found um, at very first I found uh, it shallow. You know that people were all being too nice, and that I wasn't having any gutsy conversations, and there wasn't enough cynicism right. in the culture. Was my first reaction to it, and I remember crying and just being, you know, saying like, "It just feels so empty. It doesn't feel like anyone's here." And it, it genuinely went away that feeling. I. Um, I, I relaxed I realised I didn't have to bitch about everything I started saying have a nice day and being nice to people and um, oh, so you were saying have a nice have a nice day and meaning it yeah I really wow. was yeah but that's funny that isn't it but I, I actually find it like, I, I, I find myself saying have a good day to people because yeah. I don't want to say have a nice yeah. day because it's got kind of these American connotations but I do actually want to wish people very, to have a good yeah, day it's in why every not language you know, why I'm not? sure yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying peace with you. Or, you I know, guess that's what people like. We say good day to you, sir. Yeah, you know, that's the good same day, thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry, I <laughs> slightly derailed that. So you were saying that feeling went away. Yeah, it did, and I, I know I felt at the end I'd, I'd become an American. We were very privileged there, though. We had enough money that we weren't working two jobs. Um, we had a nice car, and um, we were friends who had late cabins, and you know. It, it, that changes what you think about the place. We were just very, very lucky there. And that, that made it all okay. But 
I think essentially people are the same in every single country, aren't they? If you just stay there long enough, people are just people. They, they have different yeah, customs, maybe. different energy. Yeah. But eventually, once you've adjusted to that, then it's it's just the same. Yeah, sure. You know? I, 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 I did feel this is a funny year to come back to Britain too, with all the palaver of you know the jubilee yeah. and the uh, the Olympics, and also coming back to a, a conservative government and a different sense of nationality, a different different there's a different mood in the air. There were flags around. Um, it was very di- very Brit- very British in some ways, but um, this stark difference was in, uh, in our lifestyle going back. You know. Although I guess you were there. When Bush was in power, in power that's right. Yeah, we were there for Obama. We'd just moved. Oh there. wow! Yeah, yeah. That, that moment. Yeah, that must have been magic. I guess it was. Yeah, it was funny because Chad had just got back from some kind of like working away for the weekend. He'd been up all night, so he fell asleep before it happened. And um, I carried on watching TV, and you know, they announced it, and it just felt like this. <laughs> this well, I'm sure everyone felt it, whether you wanted it or not, but um, it was a turning point. And then I could hear outside car horns started and fireworks and people shouting. People started walking around the streets, you know, there was this, like, jubilation. And I'd never known that. That sense of the city is bubbling in the middle of the night. Something was, I, I suppose you guys felt it here when you had your riots. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I, the time I felt something similar to that, I think, was in 1997 when uh, New Labour came into power yeah, yeah. after the last Conservative government. I mean, me and my dad stayed up all night watching the election. Yeah. And, you know, Portillo getting knocked out and we were like, yeah. 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 We were drinking whiskey. I mean, I was, I was underage. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, but but, but uh, going into school the next day, because I was in Cardiff, so yeah. it's a very... Uh, Left-leaning city, yeah, sure. and all of the you know all of the all of the uh, teachers in school were in a good mood, and everyone was in a good mood, and everyone yeah. was like cheering and smiling, and it's just a really nice. I mean, it, you know, it very quickly, and I think in America the same thing happened after Obama mm-hmm. actually got into power. Very quickly, everything dies down a little bit. And you start going, actually, is this real change or is this yeah, just a, right. a, a magic moment? And yeah. Then, uh, and actually, the the business of government is a bit harder to to be as inspiring. Yeah. And I guess that's his problem now when he's trying to. Well, also, to any hysteria to like that, that hysteria and that sense of it's changing, it's happening, it's happening, or pride or whatever. Um, for me, I always end up feeling um, I have a resistance to. Ladies and gentlemen, the South Bank Centre free tour will be commencing in five minutes on the level two ticket desk. That's the South Bank <laughs> yeah. Centre free tour. Well, Thank I guess, you. I guess I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always recording here, so I guess they get a free advert. Just a little plug. One, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I do have a resistance to uh, being part of a crowd. I guess um, it's funny that we're here at the South Bank Centre because just moved when we just moved back to the country. It was uh, just in time for the jubilee when we'd moved into London, and um, I, I began to, for the first time in my life feel something about this felt something about the royal family you know I had a socialist background and we weren't necessarily uh, you know a royalist family at all in fact it was you know I think members were but you know quite cynical about the whole thing and I started to feel something I thought I'm going down to the river I'm going to watch the queen when she goes by on a on a boat um, and it was that awful rainy day you know and it was, yeah, it was, it was like icy rain it? it was horrible um, I came down here and had the dog as well, I think, and uh, try, trying to see the water, couldn't see the water. Um, and as the day built and the energy started to, you know, to, she should be here in 40 minutes, she'll be here in 30 minutes, people started singing and they were singing the anthem and they were waving their flags and stuff. And 
I don't know what happened, but something happened and I felt sick. And I suddenly felt, I'm not, I'm not with this. Yeah. It wasn't about the Queen at all. It was about um, the energy around me I didn't trust. It, it, it entered a new level and it was blind. It was odd. Um, and I went home. I, did, I wasn't here when she came by. See, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I know exactly. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. In fact, I've always had that as a, a problem. Any anytime there's a hype, anytime there's a crowd mentality, yeah. I instantaneously go the other way. People get really annoyed that's with it, me. Yeah. You know, like when the, when the World Cup happens, and I'm like, shut up about shut it. Up. everybody, it's shut the up. Olympics. And, every, and the Olympics. I was, and, and I'm, I just, I'm, I'm aware that certainly in the social media context, I'm like the that you know the, the really annoying person, like who's just always saying, this is rubbish. I'll post another. Other direction. And, uh, yeah, I post another article about why it's all evil. I wonder if it's uh, to do with saving yourself. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think I think literally, it's for me. It's it's, it's something to do with my psychology as much as I'd like it to be some kind of bigger mm. uh, political reasoning. It's just it's just I really don't like. Um, orthodoxy, yeah, me too. Any, anything where there's no freedom, and it's not to do with all high-minded ideals. It's literally to do with feeling claustrophobic in that yeah. situation. I mean, I literally get, uh, I have uh, get claustrophobic in crowds. I, yeah. I have, right, have you, had right. a couple of panic attacks at, yeah. at various different times in crowds. Uh, in fact, the millennium uh, by the by the same oh, yeah. river we're talking about. You know, the fireworks went off and and all of that, and it, it was ridiculous. Actually, me and my brother were having this big argument about. Uh, you know, I was doing the cynical this is you know what's this a celebration of humanity's been rubbish yeah. and he's like come on this is a new moment let's yeah. be positive <laughs> and then like the fireworks happen and then the whole crowd who are watching the watching the fireworks all suddenly oh yeah that's over turn and then they like stream out like crazy you know crazy all coming at you yeah and so I was and we're like I remember seeing like toddlers falling over and yeah. like you're thinking that they're going to get crushed and people are just elbowing you and you're like what's going on like people are just horrible horrible horrible, horrible. I was then, thinking I'm going to get stopped. pecked to death yeah. or even worse that I'll see someone get pecked to death oh God. and I can't do anything about it and that's, why, that's almost worse than I don't really fear that anything's going to happen to me I don't like the idea of um, somebody getting the brunt of this crowd and yeah. I can't stop them like the idea of people being stoned to death is like my absolute that's a horrible idea yeah crowds but but then the thing about crowds is that even like <clears throat> the act of panicking is part of the thing that's yeah. making that happen like yeah. I always remember when I was a teenager I went to see Blur in, uh, in, in concert oh, yeah. and it was like it was the it was when song two came out so the crowds had changed for blur like they weren't the high-minded crowd like arty audience that they'd started with yeah. suddenly everybody liked blur right <laughs> i mean it was funny because i'd seen oasis and when i saw oasis it was a really chilled out atmosphere everybody loved each other like everyone was holding each other i mean unfortunately that it was it was their their bad album their third album that I saw. <laughs> but when i saw blur it was like everybody was like Really like football hooligan mm. style, like jumping up and down and shouting, like you know, really? song two comes on and everyone's like, yeah. And I was at the front and everyone started squashing me and I panicked. <gasps> oh, no. And I and I I you know I legit I feel incredibly guilty about this, but I like elbowed my way out from the front yeah. to the out of the crowd because I thought I was going to die. Really? Then after I got out of the crowd and I'm like I'm like stopping panicking. I, I'm thinking, hang on, I've just. Elbowed, elbowed my way face. yeah exactly I've just done something brutal because yeah. of fight or flight you know yeah it is natural yeah natural I mean I, it's a, I guess it was a bit of both fight and fight and flight in yeah. That <laughs> but yeah no crowds are weird horrid yeah I was just was ref- 
a little while ago I was referring to watching the election of Tony Blair, of all people, with my dad. And my dad's quite an old man compared to other people's dads. Yeah. And one thing that when we were talking in that reunion, yeah. I noticed was that you share that that kind of experience, that your dad was an older dad than most people's dads. Yeah, right. Yeah. My parents, had, they, they had three children first off before me and then there was an 18 year gap I think they uh, decided to buy a boarding house um, in St Anne's um, by the sea in this uh, like really run down seven bedroom Edwardian mess of a house with uh, it didn't it, it was it was broken off into lots of little bedsits and rotten carpets and all the toilets needed replacing and but no electricity at one time. You know, they, they bought into this house, and then my mum found out she was like four months pregnant with me, and they were both in their forties. Right. In the eighties, this was early eighties, and of course they then got kind of lumbered with me. So my dad died last year, and he wasn't necessarily an old man. I mean, he must have been forty-five when when I was born, and I always thought that he'd live a lot longer. He he had a pulmonary fibrosis in his lungs, which is a degenerative disease and we were very grateful you know he was with us for like four years after we found out that um, he had this terminal illness but the difficult thing for me was that was a period when I was in America so um, we found out just before I went and um, he died while I was there and uh, it was uh, something kind of resentful about that I wasn't in the country in that run-up I mean interestingly we had a great relationship so I think if I had been here I probably wouldn't have seen him that much we didn't need to like feast on each other's time but I do wish I'd been in the country for the last few weeks because I think I missed out on his uh, you know his degeneration really I didn't know how serious it was until you know the day I I flew in and he died the day I arrived oh god Um, it was horrible but um, did you see him before well, he was he, he was kind of unconscious, I suppose. He was he had a um, like a ventilator on because it was a lung problem, and I, and I, I pretty much think that um, he'd almost gone at that time, but he was still technically alive. <laughs> and uh, you know, the whole family were there at the hospital, and uh, it was all NHS, um, and yeah, I was able to physically be with him as he died. And I've never I've never seen a dead body before. I've never seen anybody die, so it's a really odd thing to hold somebody and then you know feel them go cold. And I didn't think that um, I didn't I didn't really know what a death looked like. And in films, people just die, don't mm. they? They just take that last yeah, breath do, yeah. and they're dead. And uh, in this case, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it went, went on for a long time, and there'd be a you know a, a minute of silence and then another little breath. It's very uh, very majestic the whole thing to be there as it happened. And I, I have a, a very good friend whose whose mother died just in the last couple of days, and he was asking me about the situation and. And talking to him about it and telling him how it happened really put it in perspective for me because you talk about it a lot when the death happens and then now it's become not a taboo subject but it's a, it's a, it's a downer subject you don't want to like yeah. <laughs> bring it up at dinner sure. so telling him how it, how it went down was really interesting to me and um, I think that to be there at a death and for death to be part of your life and your knowledge of it and to know what a dead body is is very very comforting and um, I don't know how he reacted once I told him this, <laughs> we'll find out. But massively eye-opening for me and uh, terrible but majestic and um, quite amazing, really. And, you know, it's like death is something that's going to happen to all of us. 
It definitely is. It's like the one thing. It's guaranteed. Yes. It's guaranteed. Yeah, it, um, it had felt so alien. Well, my mum always used to say, because my mum was a nurse for quite a few years, and so she saw a lot of death uh, firsthand, and she always used to say that, you know, as a culture we hide death, and actually, you know, lots of other cultures don't hide death, and she thinks it would be better if we we engaged with death a lot more, you know, and were more aware of it, and then it wouldn't be, in a way it wouldn't be as scary, but also it would be something we could understand better. Yeah, get your head around. I mean, the Victorians were big on death, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and maybe they had you know, something going for them. But also they had so much death in their lives. No, yeah, that's right. Uh, they kind of had to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be... So, I mean, I guess you... So you weren't... You, so you, you didn't know how quick it was going to happen then? No, not really. Uh, I, would have, I would have come home sooner. When it, my brother did call and he said, you know, you really should come now. And from that point, I literally got a taxi, got my passport, came... Um, uh, and arrived here and that was odd because I hadn't been in the country for a few years too so and pretty much like you're feeling now that kind of delirium of not sleeping <laughs> yeah. um, and then to be at customs and it was suddenly the morning and the sun was shining and I was at the hospital and I was, oh god so odd yeah sun, odd sunshine mixed with sleep deprivation oh isn't it odd a very strange thing and I, you are right I'm slightly experiencing it now and to have all of these other emotions around it too, and yeah. like adrenaline, and yeah. God, it must have been very complicated. Very. You know, I don't, when I use the word brilliant, I don't mean it in a positive way. In, in a, <laughs> it was, it was memorable, and it was, it was, it was bright, and it was um, life. It was death. You know, it was, yeah. It was just like there in your face. So I, was, I think now I'd, um, I'd kind of, I'd handle the death, the death differently. Well, maybe the same way, but I would be prepared for what's coming. I think it's quite healthy. Yeah, that's. The, I mean, I, I always slightly worry about that because I've yet to experience any... Uh, I mean, my granddad died, but I didn't know him that well. Mm. Jen's grandparents died, and I was supported her through those, mm. uh, ex- through those deaths and those experiences. But, you know, for me, it's... It, you know, you're right, death happens to us all, but because my dad is older, yeah. and older than your dad as well, yeah. was... Uh, the, it's like I've always known he could die. I mean, when I was, I think, uh, when I was six, he had a heart attack for the first time. So, yeah, um, and he had a quadruple heart bypass when I was wow. 15. Wow. So I've always known he could die, yeah. but he hasn't died yet. You know, and now he's he's 88, and he's got a few health issues, but actually, you know, he's, he's still doing very well. Yeah. But obviously, I mean... He's not going. He's, to, he's not going yeah. to live forever, and so it's something I'm, I'm expecting to, to experience some point relatively soon. I'm aware that he listens to this show, and I'm oh, saying, grim. It's kind of, um, and and it's like, you know, you you never know if you're going to be psychologically p- prepared. For yeah. It, you know, because I mean, I mean, like yourself, it sounds like. I mean, I've, I'm very close to him, mm-hmm. and, and and it's kind of the same. Like like now, I live near him. I can see him regularly and mm. that's great but the times when I've lived in different parts of the country it hasn't mattered that I haven't seen him because he's been because we've got that relationship exactly you, you don't need there. to you don't need it and, and yeah. when you see him them then you you know it's great but, but you don't you know you, it's yeah it's it's, it's kind of joined it's, it's there and you don't have mm. to worry about it I, I texted my father when I knew I was coming back because I knew he had a phone with him in the hospital and I'd sent him a couple of messages that week Asking how he was, and you know, trying to, you know, make it 
connection. And when I arrived back in the country, um, he died that day. And then I didn't have a cell phone, so my mum gave me his cell phone, his mobile phone. And uh, I was sleeping in, in his kind of sick bed too that was at the house, even though he'd gone into hospital then. And when I turned his phone on, I got all my messages. So he hadn't oh, seen them, you know. And I actually wanted to dramatise that a little bit more than... <laughs> In reality, I knew that it didn't matter that it, he hadn't got the messages because he knows what I would have said, and I know he wasn't thinking, "Oh, Paul doesn't love me" or whatever. So much as you're saying, if you, if the if the bond is there and, and you've got no issues to work through, yeah, that, being said, I think that's where it's. The, I mean, I, th- I think that's where it hits people the hardest, isn't it? When people pass away and they haven't resolved something with the, with that person, and then they can't. That's right. You know, it's it's gone. I mean that's that's something I'm very aware of with my, you know my mother uh, is that you know it's important to at least for everything to be said. It is uh, because when they pass away, it's, it's never going to be able to be said again. Sometimes nothing. I think sometimes the things that haven't been said can't be said because even if you said them, the issue would still be there. Yeah. So sometimes it's not really to do with saying it; it's to well, do with say, an issue. Well, I've said them. I mean, I've said them, but yeah. my mum doesn't remember them. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's. I mean, I've done it. I mean, it's, yeah. so, you know, that, so there you go. That, it's, that yeah. in itself is a kind of resolution, though, in itself. When you realise that 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 the things, you know, if you don't try and say the things, you can't get to the realisation that. They'll you never can't hear them. them. They'll yeah. never hear them. God, that's so true. <laughs> you know. That is a revelation. You're right. Yeah. Well, it, it was. It was. I mean, it was a strange because it's a it's, it's a weird one because it's an episode that hasn't come out. It may have come out by the time this comes out, but it's not come out yet in in the series. Yeah. But like, the th- I did three conversations with my mum, and the third one was about our relationship. Right. And so in that one, things were s- things were said, and then. Uh, you know, uh, this earlier this year, I've been, you know, whatever. I've got a complicated relationship with my mother, and uh, she said, "You never tell me what you think of me." And I said, "And I know I do." And I've, literally, I've got it re- recorded. It's li- literally, it's on. Record. I can listen to it anytime I want. Beautiful. So I mean, that was a yeah. I'm I'm big on talking to your parents. It's like a big thing that yeah. doing getting better acquainted. I guess has taught me that mm. how how like and talking about. Like what I what I learned is to talk about like finding out what what their life was like before you were around. Like yeah. it, it sounds to me like you because you've um, you've got this eighteen years gap. Yeah. You've got access to to their past as well because yeah. you're is it bro- brothers? And Two si- brothers and a sister. They, yeah. they they they're kind of witnesses. They they, they are their life time. tells you what mm. what your parents' lives were like before you were around. And of course, they were in like 1960s Oldham in Chatterton, <laughs> and living in tiny like two up, two down houses, totally different lifestyle. So it is like it's like a that move to the seaside that happened in the 70s was genuinely a whole new life for them, and they left behind a, a, a totally different world. And my dad was ill. I was one of the re- interestingly with his lungs too. I think he had a like a, he got pneumonia, and they said you need to get out the out of the mill cities and grew up by the seaside and I think my granddad had a, like a summer house so they were living in, in St Anne's already but yeah you're right you know that, that's that's having that living connection to who they were you realise that they were you know your parents were kids and they might have been kids until they were 35 <laughs> you know what I mean yeah 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 and that, that's it well that's what I find like turning like I mean I'm, I'm 31 now just recently but Turning thirty was like the reason I suddenly had to deal with my childhood all yeah. over again. Is because I'm so I'm like, hang on, now I'm kind of 
I'm I'm getting closer to where they might have been. Like, well, not oh, my, not God. you know, and 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 so now I have to kind of judge their actions based on kind of equals yeah. like rather than like dealing with them as like the authority figure or whatever or the thing above you, yeah, you now I'm like hang life. on you know I'm, a, I'm an adult too would I have done that would I have not done that and sometimes yeah I probably would have had Ooh, the same chilling. flaws I probably would have had the same flaws where, where did I get them from yeah. I mean where did they get them from yeah. it's like this generational thing but but yeah and, and but sometimes you sort of think well you know yeah it, it's it's weird you re, you have to re kind of contextualize everything that's gone before Indeed. when you I guess it's going to happen again when we get old yeah. and we become old men yeah. then we'll be like right now this, I really now, see know, them and yeah. now you see what you, maybe your grandparents what your grandparents experiences yeah. were and stuff like this that you don't don't have access to but I'm, I've got a similar thing with my 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 siblings are all quite stretched out like my my older sister is mid mid to late 50s I don't want to, yeah. to give her age away and uh, my other sister's in her 40s yeah. and you know then there's my, my brother's six years older than me and my sister's six years younger than me so I've yeah. got all of these and it, it, and it you're right I, you know it, I don't think about that enough that when they were young it was it was these historic yeah. decades that we like the 60s that's it that's history for us but it's they've a, lived yeah, it's a it, bubble you know. to me yeah it's like a not a real thing um, my brother just turned 50 I turned 30 last year I've just turned 31 this week but um, all in the same year you know I turned 30 my brother turned 50 my aunt turned 80 oh god yeah all the big all the big all the big ones <laughs> they're good well, let's get, I mean that's what I'm finding with, with the, the thing about the 80 is once you have your 80 you pretty much ladies and gentlemen <laughs> a free exhibition tour for art by offenders will we commence in 10 minutes, that's 3pm, in the spirit level entrance on level 1, that's in 10 minutes time, spirit about, level about entrance, about the same time as we'll finish this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, 80. 80. Yeah, once you hit 80, it's like... Um, Every five years, then becomes a big birthday. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we 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 did that the big 80th birthday bash, and like that was the big thing, and everyone came. Yeah. And then like five years later, like okay, well, fifth, <laughs> and then I guess that the 90th will be the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. Every, every like it's funny how we do this thing though of attaching some meaning to a zero, isn't it? Or yeah. A five. You know, it's and really, you know, it, it can mean nothing if you don't want it to. The, just when my dad died, it was there. A few months later, it was their 50th wedding anniversary. And in my head, you know, that was always an achievable date. Their 50th wedding anniversary was coming. Yeah. And then, of course, he died. And the day sort of came and went. And uh, you realise that it only means something if you want it to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah. It's just another year. If, if, if it's too sensitive to deal with, you know. Yeah, I mean, it must be... It must be a, that must have been a hard day for her. I yeah, guess. it must have been, yeah. Yeah. I'll just check my notes to see if there's anything that I have... Because it's, it's it's been nice. This conversation has naturally flowed. It has, yeah. Um, well, it looks like I had dance and theatre, old old dad's family history, and America. Oh, so we're like, oh, you could be on Darren Brown on. with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? Yeah. How did That's you know? Like, yeah, I've, I've predicted. I predicted it all. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort of. I'm trying to find through my kind of absolutely not working brain. I'm trying to kind of. Come up summarize with some kind of summar- so, yeah, summarisation. I feel like we've talked about humanity, on. haven't we? We've talked about. Do you seem to have done that? Yeah, yeah, a lot to do with, you know, your, your inner self compared to the outside world and what people end up becoming. And family too. I mean, and in terms of 
choosing your own family as well like when you know in terms of you and Chad becoming a family mm. and you know I mean I guess that, that that's a, a, a question that is interesting in terms of the gay issue yeah. isn't it an issue I mean you know do you guys want to have a family is that yeah I mean at? I've come to the realization that we already do just as the two of us and a dog um, <laughs> yeah that's what know, I was thinking we really are a family and um I think it's um it's important that um, people recognise that as time passes, you know, that you don't have to kind of have kids to be a family unit. Yeah. I think we would like to have children. I don't know when that would be, and I can't envisage it right now, definitely. And it's a, it's a very complicated uh, decision to it is, make because yeah. there's lots of different options. I mean, I guess there's options for everybody, but yeah. people don't feel like there's options, whereas you. More difficult for you men, have to you know. Have options, yeah. More difficult for men because, it, it, you know, you have to find somebody to carry a baby and then that person is always going to be their mother yeah and so it is a bit more complicated or you I guess you can adopt but then yeah and absolutely that's a kind of strange that's a whole other thing too I don't know about that but like I say I just feel like we are a family unit yeah. and um, going home to you know leaving work to go home to Chad is just as important as leaving to go and pick up some kids or something you know because we're a family yeah so I mean, what, what what's your what's your what's your anniversary going to be? The next, what's, what's your next anniversary? Well, we kind of have two. We have one of kind of when our relationship started, and then uh, March would be uh, it would be our sixth wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, me and me, me and Jen like because we we got we, oh, it's always so complicated. But we we got engaged, but we're not getting married, and we're not engaged anymore. But we still got our, our engagement rings. Right. But, <laughs> but I sort of I planned the engagement. So that it would be the same day as our when we first got together, oh, so that there nice. would not be like lots of different anniversaries. Yeah, to not too many gifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although unfortunately, our anniversary is Valentine's Day. That's when we got oh, together, no. which is terrible. Like I'm That's always worried about this. You can never get a table. Yeah. You know, everything's so about love in general, it's all and you up. want it to be about <laughs> your own. And everyone's going to be talking about their night. And everyone's and everyone's bitter as well. Like there's a lot of bitterness that I there is, I, isn't I, there? I I think is a valid bitterness. When I was a single person, I do yeah. all those years ago. I do remember being bitter at Valentine's Day quite often, and I can understand yeah. that. It must yeah. be very hard to see everybody else, uh, or not everybody else, because that's the, the that's, that's very the weird few people, window. That's the real yeah, thing. That's the window mm-hmm. that you see the world through, don't you? When you're single, you think everybody's having a better life than you. <laughs> right, and then, yeah. then you get then you get Stung into a relationship, Facebook. and then you realise that you always think that when you're in a relationship, you think everyone having a better relationship than I am you know, yeah. everybody always thinks Grass everybody is else is greener. having a good, better time than them don't they yeah. in fact, in fact yeah, it's not even home. that when you're in a relationship a lot of the time certainly heterosexual people I think they're, they're always thinking like they're trying to live vicariously through their single friends they're like oh you know if I had the freedom that you've got oh, and they're going if I had all this you know it's nonsense it doesn't just live your life totally yeah so the the, uh, the last question that I ask people is do you have anything to plug and it's a peculiar it's a one. plug. Yeah. Oh. Now, people have taken Ooh. it quite... Oh, go on. Go on. Yeah, no, 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 carry on. They, carry on. Don't. I can say people have sometimes taken it quite quite general and have got, kind of got like life of thoughts and some people yeah. are very specific and they say, you know, a, an actual specific thing that they, they're doing. So. And I think uh, making people aware of you know, that our situation was so directly influenced by politics um, and that in America, even if we were to be married, even in New York, even in any state, there is no federal recognition of same-sex immigration in America. Okay. There are 20 countries that have it. 
and I would le- really like people to realize that um, there are so many countries where um, you know we, we obviously would be thrown in prison or executed or whatever but um, it just seems so crazy to me that we had to leave because of politics and they're still so far off yeah I mean, no that's, that's really really weird it is weird Americans don't know our really liberal friends who are clearly you know they know how they're going to vote in this election they don't realise that um, even if gay marriage goes ahead there's still no immigration rights there's still no federal recognition so I'd like to plug that I mean I find immigration such a weird idea anyway mm. like how does anybody I mean it is complicated because obviously you know everybody can't move to the same country if it's not big enough for everybody but at the same time it just feels so weird to have like like national borders like that you can't travel between this place and this place and you're just a person walking through the world and you know for years and years and years in prehistory there was no such thing as these people just moved around in their tribes isn't it funny it is very strange I was reading yesterday you know my kind of guilty pleasure is uh, when I get home from work Firstly, I'll open a bottle of wine, but um, more importantly, I'll watch Time Team on my own. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I love it. I love any of that stuff, you know, yeah. history stuff. But um, I gave myself a good dirty hour of Time Team <laughs> um, in the TV room. And um, I've been fascinated recently with the Romans, and um, it got me reading. I was just reading about the Roman Britain on Wikipedia and um, the Anglo-Saxons and the way that we've changed over the years. Mm. And, as you say... No immigration, but massive immigration. Like yeah. There are no borders to actually cross, and there's no paperwork to go with it. Um, and of course, there's a lot. You know, there's still there's still stuff going on. But you wonder if those borders close and immigration stays now very difficult for the future. We we stop changing. We stop growing. We stop. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's, say the, if the border was in the middle of this room. You know, and if you stand on one side of it, you're not allowed to be you're there, illegal. and the other side you are, and it's yeah. just, you know, it, it doesn't make any any logical sense to me. You're it's not, all about money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess so. Money. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, and I guess it is. I mean, I mean, I, there are, you know, lots of people have complicated thoughts on immigration, and I, I mean, I have heard kind of lots of arguments for why uh, immigration kind of some people who are more inclined to agree with than other people who are against immigration Mm. sort of make the argument that you kind of lose diversity because everything becomes one culture like if every everybody kind of yeah yeah but at the same time i think Mm. that you know the city that we're in kind of disproves that to a certain extent people are so diverse you get like yeah you can look at like a bunch of puppies and they're all so different so geez and like actually those cultural clashes when when they work, because obviously sometimes they don't. Yeah. I mean, we've we've both lived up north, and we know that you don't always have good integration. But yeah. but but when those cultural clashes can produce really interesting yeah. ideas and new ideas and evolve both cultures. Oh, of course, that's the thing. Of course, it's age old, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and you're right. Like we are a, a country that's made up of immigrants. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been invaded. How many times have we been invaded? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. We just we just swallow up our invaders yeah. and, then, <laughs> no, and, and then say we've got an indigenous population. Brilliant. Well, I mean, it's really been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you, Paul. And I'm pleased that my complete and utter brain 
impossible. Like, I, like, I can't even sum it it's up. It's quite functional, it I thought. It seems all right, doesn't yeah. it? I'm surprised. It, so it when only, you play it back, yeah, you'll be worried. It only, <laughs> it only doesn't work when I try and describe what I'm feeling. Like when I go, I'm completing out of brain. That, 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 was, it, that uh, was a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, but everything else seems to have worked. So okay, I'll probably, like, as soon as I've turned the microphone off, like sink to <laughs> yeah. the floor in, uh, in uh, exhaustion. Yeah. But it, yeah, no, it's been a real pleasure. <clears throat> there you go. My voice is going. Now, You're going. Yeah. Um, Thank and you. It was yeah, really the last, great. The last thing I say to people is, um, do you want to say goodbye to the audience? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Goodbye, everybody. Sweet dreams. <laughs> goodbye. The people who were anti-gay marriage did not win, and Minnesota voted not to change his constitution. Even better than that. The next year, which is this year, on May the 13th, 2013, Minnesota went one step further and voted to have gay marriage. So it's another one of the American states where gay people can get married, which I think is excellent. I am very for everybody having the option to do what everybody else gets to do. So I don't think marriage is for everyone, but I think that if we're going to have marriage, it should be on offer to everyone. It really makes no sense, no sense whatsoever for us to keep letting very trivial differences between us separate humans from other humans, lovers from lovers, families from families. That shit has to stop. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.